So you've probably heard this stat before. One in four Australians will experience mental distress just this year alone. You'd think that among those people who've chosen to work in mental health to make this their main focus, that number might be even higher. And yet, mental health can be a tough place to work if you're a sensitive type. Whatever your role, clinician, support worker, manager, it's easy to feel like you're meant to be the one who has it all figured out. But what if you really don't? That's why we made this thing, Big Feels at Work. A little audio resource for those of you out there walking this hard path of having a foot in both camps. Working in mental health, doing your best to help others, whilst also dealing with your own big life stuff. How do we know what that's like? Because we have walked that path. Myself, Graham Panther, and my co-host, Gareth Edwards. Gareth, what is your Big Feels at Work cred? I'm going to start by taking issue with the word choice. You said in your intro that we choose to work in this, and I know I certainly didn't choose. To work in mental health. Yeah. Go on. I think, it's, I think that's a real common path. So if we're talking in terms of cred, yeah. you know, I classically drifted into this after my own experiences of using services. Yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. And not even really with a whole bunch of change the world aspirations. You know, there's a lot of sort of entry-level jobs in the mental health sector. And I think, you know, a lot of us drifting through that route with a, you know, a sense of wanting to do some good. And so that was certainly my entry. I actually started in an alcohol detox service, Mm. but I started as a pot washer in the cafe. Mm. And then people said, hey, you might want to do this thing, this thing called nurse aiding is what it was back in the day. I was a nurse aide which is you know, similar to the sort of support roles we've got now, and looked at lots of the, the routes, you know, like lots of people encouraged me to do mental health nursing, go and qualify in that. I already had a degree in psychology, so people said, hey, you might want to go and be a clinical psychologist or a counsellor, and somehow managed to avoid the temptation of all of those sort of alluring routes and stuck with support work for a long time, addictions, homelessness, mental health. And then eventually reconnected with my sort of default passion as a, I guess, a professional nosy parker. Yeah. What we call a researcher. Yeah. <laughs> and now working in various places across Australia and New Zealand, consulting to the decision makers and trying to make a better system. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to, again, and I think this is common once you've, moved away from the support roles, you then sort of drift around this whole uh, soup of trying to make a difference. You know, it's been 20 years now and we still seem to be trying to make the same difference. (laughs) We'll get to that. So myself, similar path. I'm on probably year 13 of the soup and certainly, same as Gareth, my path in was losing my shit at 23 wasn't the first run I'd had with mental health services, but it was certainly the most spectacular. And um, as part of my own scrambling for meaning during that period to figure out what the hell was going on, I started working as a peer support worker, as one of the first peer support workers in New Zealand uh, way back when, and then transitioned into consulting and various other bits and bobs jobs, drawing on my own messy stuff, sometimes explicitly, sometimes covertly, Mm. and have been in Australia for the past six years doing that over here. And I also uh, co-found and run the Big Feels Club, which is uh, essentially a grassroots peer support initiative, a collection of fellow sensitive cats 
around the world just trying to make sense of life. Cool. So the story of this particular little experiment, Big Feels at Work, is anyone working in mental health, no matter what the role, mm. clinical, non-clinical, managers, etc., whether they're out and proud about their messy life stuff or in and... <laughs> secretive <laughs> in and cautious I think in and cautious there you go are nonetheless bringing their big messy stuff to work every day even if no one knows about it mm. and our hunch was there's a heck of a lot of those out there mm. and the reason we have that hunch in particular is because they're in our inbox they're emailing <laughs> Big Feels Club saying hey I love your stuff here's my story so we wanted to make something that could be equally nourishing and useful whether you're in a consumer peer role or you're just in there doing your best in whatever role you've got. So that's Big Feels at Work. This particular experiment is really just a taste of where we might take it all to see if you are out there and you are keen. We're going to do a short series of topics that are based on things we've heard from people walking this kind of two-pronged path. Our idea is that we'll keep them short and sweet for you to have a listen on your morning commute. Mm. We know that working in, in this field is is busy, busy work. Yeah. So the idea being, how can we give you just a little, little pick me up at the beginning or the end of the day to help you on your way? The first topic we want to hit for today's one is the big question that, that kept coming up from people was, am I the only one who feels this way? Yeah. Am I the only one <laughs> struggling in my work like this? And certainly a, a strong theme seemed to be, I'm surrounded by people who have their stuff together and I don't have mine mm. together. Yeah, it's a real, um, it's a real mirage, kind of like, a, I don't know, it'd be like going to a gym and everybody there is like, you know, fully healthy, fully muscular, <laughs> and, and you don't. When you go to a gym, it's full of people like me who are short and overweight and <laughs> wheezing horribly, and you know, because they're the people who need the gym, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, definitely relate to that feeling of showing up for work, particularly because I did have a number of years where nobody knew my background. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd chosen to keep that to myself. And, um, yeah, you show up every day and you think, my word, you know, that there's all these people here who are fully equipped to, to help. You know, what the hell am I doing here? What do I know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it makes sense because you're the modus operandi of, of a mental health professional in the traditional sense is to have your stuff, have your shit together, basically. Yeah. To, to be in control. Yeah. To have it all figured out. And so often many of us don't feel that way yeah. at the best of times, let alone when we're going through our own stuff. I mean, I think some of it might also be like the actual experience of having the big feelings or having, you know, the big mess in your life or the crisis because hmm. typically at the time when you most need to feel connected to your to your people is the time when you also feel alone yeah that's right so so the very the experience itself is one that has this kind of inbuilt loneliness yeah like it's it's really hard to feel like you belong on earth when you're sad or scared a bunch of the time yeah it's kind of part of the experience itself is is the feeling tells you you shouldn't feel this way you're yeah. too sensitive, you're too this, you're too that. Yeah. There's this real sense of there's something wrong with being sad, scared, blown apart yeah. for no particular reason. Yeah, maybe even more like, you know, I mean, I know we, we speak a lot now about the the echo chamber of social media, but, you know, I had my experiences long before uh, that, was, that was around. And even then you still feel like you're the only one, you're the fuck up. 
Yeah. You're the person, like, there's nobody else who's going through these weird experiences. Mm. You know, it becomes a, we've, we've kind of individualized it, and I think we carry that through into the work. Well, what I think is interesting there is that when you're working in mental health, on the one hand, you know that's not the case because you're seeing people day in, day out who are having a big stuff going on themselves. Yeah. But what it does do is it kind of divides the world into these two categories. There's the people who seek help and they're the ones with the problem. Yeah. And there's the people who provide help and they're meant to be the ones with the answers. Yeah. And so if you're on the side of supposedly having the answers, <laughs> but then you go home and think, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. That's a particular unique kind of loneliness. Yeah, because you've got all the potential of, of, of sharing without, without being, I think some of it is without being legitimized. Because one of the battles that I see, I see it really strongly here in Australia. Hmm. Uh, I also see it back in New Zealand where I live. I'd love to see it back in the UK where I'm from, but. I feel like we're even further away from that, is this tension of what do, if we're bringing personal experiences to the professional work, how does the system, the mental health services, the addiction services, how do they endorse that um, mutuality? Because typically, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of services and the training you get is to not disclose, is to not talk about your experiences. The classic you get, you know, and you hear it a million times on your own journey, we're not here to talk about me. Yep. We're here to talk about you. Mm. Whereas what we want to do is go, we're here to talk about us. Yeah, just shared experience. Yeah, and we're doing that in a system that really doesn't, is really struggling to know how to capture that. Because mm. I guess, you know, we're taught in peer support that the whole point is that you can disclose and be mutual and share the journey together and, and learn back and forth. Mm. But then you go and work in roles, even if they're not peer roles, you go and work in these roles and say, no, there's a line. Mm. Customer, provider, whatever we call it, mm. it's this artificial line which we inherently know isn't the thing that we're looking for. Yeah, there's this real nervousness around that question. And I wouldn't say without good reason like it's good to consider mm. all these dynamics and how it best works but something i found when i moved to australia was there was much more of an emphasis on this question of how you use your lived experience mm. in your work mm. i'm just thinking particularly of peer roles and consumer roles but it sort of applies across the board there was this real question can we nail down how and i think where that was coming from is is really a desire to control yeah to, to pin down what you can and can't do. Yeah. And in my experience, it's, it's never been that technical or that complicated. It's just, if you have a, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved, and it's easy to share a problem if we speak the same language. Yeah. It's not rocket science. No. no. <laughs> but we can get really hung up on, um, on this stuff. And I think it does, as you're saying, come back to that, that, uh, fiction that there are two types of people in this world there's people in this world who have a problem there's people in this world who have an answer yeah yeah so if we can gently challenge that fiction i think that's a worthy cause there are a few layers to that on this big topic of of big feels at work but in terms of that question of of feeling like the fuck up i suppose where i'd like to start is can we gently challenge this 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 notion a that you're the only one who feels this way in your work because mm. I'm telling you, there's a heck of a lot of you out there. <laughs> and B, that you shouldn't feel this way. Okay. So this idea that to be a 
good professional in mental health. I have to have my shit together is something that I would like to gently challenge. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it, actually. Like this, this stuff should have an impact. You know, this stuff should make us respond in a human way. You mean, so working in the role should like, get under your skin? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like it should matter. And I think it does. I think there's a myth. So I don't think it serves the other professions well that they've, they've got these ways of sort of negating it or, um, you know, boundaries or Containing. whatever. Yeah. I don't think it serves them well at all. And, and you know, having known a few and, and, and uh, being in a partnership with one, my girlfriend's a nurse, you see the impact that doing that long-term has. Yeah. And that's why we end up with, you know, really sort of jaded, burnt-out, um, frazzled staff mm. because they spend their lives in amongst, you know, quite harrowing circumstances without allowing to recognise that it's a harrowing circumstance. Yeah, that's interesting. And what we will talk about in one of the later episodes is there's a couple of layers there. One, what you do with that stuff when you go home mm. so that it, it you don't cut yourself off from it, but it also doesn't take over. And then another one I want to hit on later is how you can skillfully bring your own stuff to the table without taking over, because that's, that's one of the fears that people reasonably have is that you will make it about you yeah so we can talk about those things but for now yes i'm 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 mostly interested here in the question of of how do you gently reframe your sensitivity or your personal connection to the topic that may mean it hits you in different ways it may affect you in different ways to your colleagues but it's how yeah how do we gently reframe that sensitivity as being just as professional as the person that can completely shut it off. Yes, it's pretty mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah. I do want to sort of end here with just sharing a bit of my own experience in mental health around this topic because yeah. I think I've had a completely backwards experience. So it's kind of illustrative. <laughs> that would sound like you. <laughs> so as I say, I started my career in mental health by losing my shit in my early 20s and then started working as a peer worker for this organization. It was somewhere where everyone from the CEO to all the staff had their own lived experience of losing their shit. That was completely known and explicit from day one. And the way I describe it these days is it was the single most nourishing place to have an ongoing nervous breakdown. (laughs) So I worked there for a couple of years in my early 20s in various different roles, support work and and policy stuff. And all the while was still making sense of what was going on for me, surrounded by these other people who who had their own stuff going on. You know, I remember my boss being in in hospital at one stage. It was just completely normal. It was part of the furniture. Mm. We'd go and visit her. You know, it was it was. So what I realize now, so different to a typical experience of any workplace, let alone working in mental health. And moving to Australia in particular and then working for big mainstream organizations was a a rude awakening for me, realizing that most of us have a very different path. Even those of us working in explicit consumer roles are often really isolated. There's maybe one of us on a team. And then those who are in mainstream roles but carrying their own stuff, it's often very hidden, only shared with weirdos like me on the internet who they'll email saying, hey, holy holy cow, here's what's happening. So I just wanted to reflect on that. I think that experience has given me two things. One, a really strong 
awareness of how important it is to find my tribe, yeah. to find people like yourself, Gareth, and others who, even if they live in different countries, I can call up and say, here's what's happening at the moment. People who get it mm. from having walked this path themselves. And then secondly, that experience also has left me with this big what if, which is what if everyone had that experience that I had where it was just part of the furniture? Mm. How do we move toward that world? And I suppose that this thing we're doing here is really just one teeny tiny step towards that. Yeah, and, and I think we are. That's where the conversation is going. Hmm. You know, and we started off, you know, we quoted the familiar one in four this year, yep. but we know it's one in two over a lifetime. Hmm. So we know, like we know that, you know, there is no there is no them. This is something that I've noticed in my own career that, you know, in the 20 years or so that I've been doing it is in services we used to talk about them as if they were somebody else yeah and i think that has been dissolved mm. there is only us now mm. and you know maybe we got a little bit lucky in new zealand because we got that window of opportunity where we had totally explicit lived experience services from top to bottom and and we're given the leeway and encouragement to allow that to, to happen mm. But what it what it does is it illustrates a potential, mm. you know. And I think maybe other countries are, are moving towards that. But I think you know it's a little bit like the whole, you know, the Marxist thing of once the workers rise up and unite, then we'll you know we'll be a force for for good. And I feel like we're reaching some of that critical mass now. Yeah, I like that we got to Marx in just the first. Episode. <laughs> yeah, and no, I hear that. And and we also should mention we're having this conversation in the shadow whatever's the positive version of a shadow of the um, interim findings of the victorian royal commission into mental health have, have just come out certainly as skeptical as i am of of any grand reform schemes i nonetheless notice that lived experience is is woven in through that and it will be interesting to see where that goes in the meantime here we are to to help you in the small way we can so that's us for this particular installment i think we'll be hitting a few of the other topics and some of the practical challenges that come from working in mental health when you've got your own big fields so enjoy cool